Good evening, Forest Heights Baptist Church. I'd like to welcome everyone to our evening worship service. Let's all stand as we sing Victory in Jesus.
thank you for allowing us to come and uh, worship you in spirit and in truth. And Lord, for making this all possible. We know that uh, many in this world do not know you and, and are not able to experience the joy and the uh, privilege that we have of uh, coming before you and worshiping you and, Lord, lifting you up to a service like this. So we just pray that in everything that we do, that our hearts will be right, that we might be drawn unto you and be in your presence in a very special and unique way where you, you're able to touch us and uh, deal with us and, and uh, Lord, strengthen us uh, for us leaving the church later on to, to go out beyond these walls to, to serve you faithfully. For we do need that, that strength, that encouragement, that, uh, that guidance that you can only offer. And so we just pray that you might do that during this service. In Jesus' name, amen. service tonight. Let's all stand as we sing Jesus Shall Reign.
I'd like for you to open your Bibles to uh, Daniel chapter 6 as we finish that chapter in our study of Daniel. We'll be looking at verses uh, 14 and following through the end of the chapter. You know, um, I think his name is Deshaun Watson, quarterback for Texas. Is that right? He's from Gainesville, and he went to Clemson, and a uh, good kid, uh, played a good Christian, I think. And, uh, and I think they were playing Detroit Lions, and uh, he, and quarterback there, Stafford, uh, uh, Matthew, uh, decided that they'd agreed to take a knee. Uh, and so they did, for whatever reason. They thought it was a good reason. Uh, I don't know if it's in protest or what. Well, Daniel was taking a knee. Three times a day, he was praying towards Jerusalem, opening his window. But it wasn't in protest. It was in a consistent walk with the Lord. And he met up with the lions and defeated the lions. Because God was on his side. So that's what we're going to look at in this uh, sermon tonight. In Daniel chapter 6 and beginning in verse 14. Daniel chapter 6. We read that uh, then as soon as the king heard this statement, what statement? Well, we talked about that last week and we'll mention just in a moment. He was deeply distressed and set his mind on delivering Daniel. And even until sunset, he kept exerting himself to rescue him. Then these men came by agreement to the uh, king and said to the king, Recognize, O king, that it is a law of the Medes and Persians that no injunction or statute which the king establishes may be changed. Now we'll read the rest in just a few moments. Father, just thank you once again for this time. And I pray for your grace to uh, work in our lives in a very special way. God, you can only touch our hearts, and we just pray that you'll do it. So um, may our minds and our hearts be 
devoted completely upon you and your word. And may you work in our lives in a very special and powerful way. In Jesus' name, amen. It's good to uh, be with you this evening as we look at Daniel. And it's good to uh, be with those that are viewing. I wanted to uh, thank you for our viewing also. In Daniel chapter 6, we've seen Daniel serve King Darius. I mean, you know, the uh, Medo-Persians, they've taken over. It was the Babylonians, now it's the Medo-Persians. And Daniel's up in age, and, you know, it's, uh, it's been a complete race, and it'll continue to be a complete race, a good race, a race to the finish. He started well as a young person, as he was taken into captivity, he continued well, and now he's ending well. He's towards the end of his, his life. And so he's up in his 80s, and we, we've seen him with this new king, a couple of years with him, uh, serving him faithfully. And they must have you know, uh, gathered and, and uh, had some kind of relationship with one another. They must have built some kind of relationship with one another. Matter of fact, it, it would not have surprised me for Darius to become so interested in the stories and, and uh, this man, as consistent as he was and, and uh, the reputation that he had, to, uh, to just ask him to tell him stories about what had happened in the past, how his God had worked, because we'll see that he did recognize his God as being the God. So... Uh, We've seen him serve him uh, faithfully with excellence. And uh, he was, you know, Darius, King Darius was ready to promote Daniel. And this is where the problem came in. Not only was he going to promote him, and he promoted him to one of three that were over uh, the 120 that were around the areas uh, serving to help the king. But he was going to make him like the prime minister over all. And so these became very jealous. The uh, commissioners and the satraps they, uh, jealously plotted Daniel's demise. And, and uh, they even tricked the king into signing an injunction about um, Daniel uh, because they knew that they couldn't get Daniel for anything. It said that they, they tried to find uh, things in his personal life, in his private life, uh, they could not. In his work life, they could not. And but in his uh, uh, life, where he uh, his religious life, they did. They knew that they could find something, and that was how committed he was. And being committed to his God, they came up with this scheme. And this scheme was okay, uh, King Darius. Oh. A uh, man of God, you know, uh, you, you know, you, uh, you stand up there with all the gods, basically with what they're saying. And, and matter of fact, we're going, we see you as above all the gods. Uh, for 30 days, I, we think that you ought to make an uh, edict where, uh, you know, nobody can uh, worship any of their gods except you. And, of course, you know, uh, that made his head swell, I'm sure, and... And he said, that sounds pretty good. And before he knew what he was saying, he uh, signed this edict and, and it, you know, it got him into trouble. And so innocent Daniel uh, wound up in the lion's den. Now, I want you to understand something. 
when people read this story, they said, now here is a man who served God faithfully all his life. Didn't mean that he was perfect, but he served God faithfully. And you probably said this or thought this or heard other people say it and, uh, or share it with you. And that is, how can a God do this to such a faithful servant? You know, why didn't God prevent it? I mean, isn't he the shield for us? Isn't he the shield for his people? I mean, Psalm uh, 5 tells us, For it is thou who dost bless the righteous man, O Lord. Thou dost surround him with favor as with a shield. So God, if you surround the righteous man with a shield, then why do you let him go through something like this? Why do you let godly people suffer? Why do you let godly people be martyred in countries where they take Christians' lives? Why? Well, you know, here it, it would help us deeply to understand the purpose of a shield. When God says something like that, a shield isn't needed in a time of peace, is it? A shield is needed in a time of war, a time of fighting. A shield then doesn't exempt us from battle. It didn't exempt Daniel from being thrown into the lion's den. It didn't exempt Daniel from being schemed by his uh, workers coming up with that scheme to have him thrown into the lion's den. It didn't, uh, you know, it didn't exempt Daniel from any of these things. And so uh, a shield then doesn't exempt us from battle. Rather, it equips us for it. And that is what God is doing. From this fact alone, uh, you know, we uh, can come to understand that we are going to be in the midst of battles but the neat thing about it is God provides that shield so that means that God will fight right beside us right with us he's not going to abandon us and it may mean at times that our lives will be taken some Christians lives will be taken and other times it won't but it is for his purpose and he's there right with them and he never forsakes them. So, uh, you know, we're creatures that are uh, bound with a, a little sense of eternity. And that's, why I think, why we have problems here. We get caught up in wanting the deliverance now, don't we? I, I mean, all of us do. Uh, you know, God, deliver me from this. Deliver me from this uh, boss of mine. Deliver me from this teacher of mine. Deliver me from whatever it might be of mine and we want it now because we don't think in time of eternity that much and so <clears throat> we don't understand that God does work in eternity and so his ultimate time frame he has it in view it's not our short time frame it's his time frame along with our ultimate good though whatever it might be. And we don't understand a lot of times that 
what he thinks is good is what is good for us. And so the uh, infinite well-being of our souls is his concern. And, you know, Jesus even had that in mind when, uh, you know, he uh, had the, uh, his Lord's Prayer in John chapter 17. He said, I have given them thy word, and the world has hated them because they are not of the world. Even as I am not of the world. I do not ask thee to take them out of the world, but to keep them from the evil one. And that's his purpose. He's not going to let Satan overtake us if we're a child of his. And so we may be in the evil one's world, but if we belong to God, we'll never be in the evil one's hand. And so as we we come to this passage, Daniel has full knowledge of the decree. In verse 10, he was an old man, and he was quite alone, deprived of fellowship perhaps with other of the uh, uh, ones who are of the same precious faith. But he knew that with God, one is majority. And that's what we need to understand. And so Daniel, according to the habit of a lifetime, it wasn't something that he just started doing to aggravate or go contrary to what the king had said uh, just to spite him. He didn't do that. This is a habit that he had been doing consistently. His thoughts were centered upon the future when Jerusalem would be restored according to God's word, according to God's promise. And that's why he opened up his windows, not to be seen, but opened up his windows to pray towards Jerusalem. When he prayed towards Jerusalem, that's what they were thinking about. They were thinking about when God would fulfill his promise. And so, you know, the conspirators, they had uh, calculated correctly. They knew that Daniel would, uh, wouldn't deviate from his... Uh, religious devotion for even one day isn't that amazing i wonder if we had conspirators about us would they be worried about us deviating or would they be concerned or could they even get anything on us you know that much on us are we consistent in our walk with the lord i think many of you are but there's many christians that are not and so uh we see that um uh you know, they came and, and they came to Darius and they informed Darius of the violation that Daniel had done uh, according to the edict. And uh, they uh, hastened to uh, remind the king also that the law that he had made could not be broken. Couldn't be broken for them, by them or it couldn't be broken by him. That's the way it was with them. And so uh, he uh, had to carry through with what he had said. And so... It says, then the king gave orders, and Daniel was brought in and thrown into the lion's den. Wasn't Detroit lions, it was the lion's dens. It was real lions. And so the king said to Daniel, and this is the unique thing about it. This is why I said they must have had some kind of relationship. He must have heard the stories about Daniel. He may have even asked Daniel to tell him some of the stories. 
about what, how God, his God, had worked. He, he might have said, you know, I've heard this from other people since we've taken over the kingdom. Tell me more about this God of yours. And so he said, your God whom you continually serve will himself rescue you. Now, that's, that's a very strong statement, isn't it? Especially coming from a pagan maker. And so, and a stone was brought and placed over the mouth of the den, and the king sealed it with his own signet ring and with the signet rings of his nobles so that nothing would be changed regarding Daniel. Then the king went to his palace and spent the night fasting. No entertainment was brought before him, and his sleep fled from him. It was a stupid thing for him to make this thing so hastily, this edict that he made. But at least he knew that he had done it hastily and he admitted to doing what was wrong. He let his ego get the best of him. And our egos, when they're in charge, they can really do damage to us. And so <clears throat> uh, here the king regretted this. While all of this is taking place, though, Daniel never says a word in taking up his own cause. You see, he's brought before the king. We don't hear anything being said. He doesn't try to defend himself. Uh, Daniel didn't do the, uh, try to defend himself because he had confidence in God. He said, yeah. Basically, he was saying, I'm guilty. You know, I'm guilty for being faithful to my God. And then in verses 15 and 16, once again, it says these men came by agreement to the king, said to the king, Recognize, O king, that the law of Medes and Persians, that no injunction or statute which the king established may be changed. Then the king gave orders. Daniel was brought in, thrown into the lion's den. The king said to Daniel, Your God, whom you continually serve, will himself rescue you. So the, now these were real lines. I know that there's different stories by liberal commentaries, that say that, well, these lines were old lines and they were, uh, you know, uh, teethless. And so they wouldn't have hurt anybody. Or there was just one or two lines and, you know, they were, they were wimps and they couldn't have done anything, you know. I mean, they come up with some of the weirdest stories uh, commentators do, especially liberal commentators, to, to try and prove their point. Well, we know this is not true but because later on in the story, when he throws the families in there, what do they do? Man, they go after them. They tear them apart. So we know this is, these are real lines. And not, not only that, <clears throat> but these lines were purposely starved for situations like this. I mean, when they knew that someone was going to be thrown in, what did they do? They held back on feeding them. Because when we see that... Uh, uh, when the families were thrown in, they ate them. Boy, they tore them apart, like I said earlier. So uh, the, the den that he was thrown into was probably in a, a side of a cave-like, uh, inside of a mountain, a cave-like inside of a mountain. It had a top on it, had a side on it where they could uh, do the cleaning up inside and whatever they needed to do. And uh, very carefully, the top where they could view it open with a grate where they could look down and, and maybe even throw in the food that way. Who knows? But uh, whatever, you know, that, there it was. And um, 
it says, Now the king uh, spoke and said to Daniel, Thy God whom thou servest, uh, continually he will deliver thee. And so uh, where would, the big question is, where would the king have gotten this idea? And as I mentioned earlier, and I'm not going to go in great, greater detail, I just believe that it was the two of them making a, uh, I mean, uh, God making a relationship there where he could witness to him and talk to him about his God. Uh, we, uh, <clears throat> you know, with this here, Daniel didn't know what would happen, how the king would respond. And this is a, an important part. We never know when we build relationships and we're doing evangelism, we may get discouraged because we don't see that person uh, come to know the Lord. They may later come to know the Lord. We don't know the impact that we're having on them. What we're called to do is to be faithful, right? And that's what Daniel was called to do. He didn't know what kind of impact he was having on the king, but he was just being faithful. And so uh, in spite of the king's positive attitude towards Daniel, the penalty still had to be paid. In verse 17, and a stone was brought and placed over the mouth of the den, and the king sealed it, and the others sealed it. And so in turn, it was sealed. Um, so right when you expect to find out what happened to Daniel, we read, then the king went to his palace. In verse 18, uh, throwing Daniel in the lion's den is the climax of the story for many. But there's much more in this. What, we're, uh, you know, what went on in the, the king's palace during this time? And we're told he didn't get a good night's sleep. Matter of fact, he went home to fast and not to party. He didn't want his mind being clogged with all of drinking and partying and women and everything else. He wanted his mind clear. He was sleeplessly thinking about Daniel all night long. I mean, Daniel was, had become his friend. The, the fact that Darius hustled down to the, uh, the den of the lions at the crack of dawn to see what had happened uh, indicates that he had faith in the God of Daniel. He had some faith in the God of Daniel. Now, I don't know about you, but uh, me at night, when, when I have something on my mind, when I failed in something, when, when I you know, uh, have sin in my life and, and you know, you, you want to confess it and, and it's eating away at you, whatever, and it's at night, you, you just don't want to go to bed. You want to get it settled. Because if you go to bed and you sleep on it, then you'll wake up worse than you were the, the night before a lot of times and, and a lot harder, too, uh, in your heart. But uh, uh, not only that, but, you, you know, you just... Uh, Debbie and I, we have disagreements. She, she always has told me, you know what Ephesians says, you know. Uh, uh, you know uh, settle it before the night uh, is over, you know. And so that's good. I mean, that's what Paul shares with us by inspiration of the Lord, and that's what we're to do. And it's, it's good advice because otherwise we can have a very, very unpleasant night. And this is what Darius had. And so uh, having learned uh, from Daniel himself that Daniel was a servant of the living God, Darius anticipates, though, the answer to verify whether or not God was able to deliver his servant. And that's why when he woke up that next day, 
he was anxious to run down there to see what had happened. Uh, it says in, uh, you know, in verse uh, 19, Then the king got up at dawn at the break of day and went in a hurry to the lion's den. And when he had come near the den to Daniel, he cried out with a troubled voice. The king began speaking and said to Daniel, Daniel, servant of the living God, has your God, whom you continually serve, been able to rescue you from the lions? And one of the lions spoke up and said, sure thing. No, no, look, Daniel. Then, the, you know, my God sent his angel and shut the lion's mouth, and they have not harmed me since. I was found innocent before him. And also towards you, O king, I have committed no crime. In other words, I was thrown in here because I was innocent. Because they plotted against me. Now, he didn't do this beforehand, did he? He kept quiet. But he did it afterwards because he wanted the king to know that faithfully serving God was a God who he should faithfully serve also. Who he should come to know. That he was the God of this creation. That he was a God to worship. And he was a God who took care of him. And so he, if he, you know, since he remained faithful to God, God honored that in a special way during this time to be a witness to the king and to the kingdom. So um, uh, in, in verse uh, 22, Then said Daniel unto the king, O king, live forever. My God has sent his angel and has shut the lion's mouth. Well, probably didn't only shut the lion's mouth, but also tied up their paws, too, because they could have clawed them to death. Uh, so he took, uh, the angel took care of them. Isn't it amazing how an angel can take care of, of uh, all those lions, whether it's one or many, because there's messengers sent by God, and God takes care of them. You remember the angels uh, are very powerful and it's clear from the fact that the angel slew 185,000 Assyrians in 2 Kings 19.35. And so one angel would be plenty enough to preserve Daniel's life if they take care of that many people. So we, we see the, uh, the report. The lions have not hurt me for as much as before me innocence was found in me and also before thee, O king, have I done no hurt. These statements were not the expression of pride, as I said, uh, because he waited until afterwards to glorify God and not himself. He didn't want, uh, you know, any prideful statements uh, coming out and saying, well, you know, I haven't done anything. I've been, I've been righteous. So um, it was like, uh, now, God, I, I don't understand why I'm going into that place, but maybe you have a reason. And maybe you know of something in my life that isn't right. Or, you know, uh, I haven't done anything. I'm innocent because God had a perfect cha a chance to chasten me and didn't. That's basically what he's saying to the king. And Daniel waited for God to evaluate his innocence. So. And he wanted to wait so the king would see that. And it would not be misinterpreted. Then in verse 23, then the king was very glad and gave orders for Daniel to be lifted up out of the den. So Daniel was lifted up out of the den. No injury was found on him, whatever. 
and uh, because he had trusted in his God. So the ropes were probably lowered, the grate was probably removed, and this uh, 80-something or 90-year-old person was lifted up. And such a, 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 you know, an experience as this, a deliverance, was a vindication of, of Daniel's great faith in God, how great God is. And he believed God, and God honored him and his faith. Uh, you know, but one thing that I want you to understand, you, you say, well, I honored God, but I was released from work, or unjustly. I honored God, but I had to go through this experience. I wasn't delivered. Well, that's true. We're not always delivered, are we, that way, the way that we think that we should be. Isaiah believed God too. And what happened to him? Yeah, he was sovereign too, man. Paul believed God as well. What happened to him? Yep, Acts. And then old Peter, he was crucified upside down, they say. So, Believing in God doesn't mean that the lions are not going to eat you. For there will be times when, unfortunately, people will have to die for their faith. The issue is that we accept God's will, no matter what it is. If it's to live, then we live. If it's to die, then we die. But in either case, we know that we're never defeated. Because God... In God, we have victory. In Christ, we have victory. So, here comes the punishment. In verse 24, And the king commanded, and they brought those men who had accused Daniel, and they cast them into the lion's den with their children, their wives, and the lions had the mastery of them, broke all their bones in pieces before they came to the bottom of the den. Whoa, boy, they were hungry, weren't they? refutes all these liberal claims about the lions. There must have been a tremendous number of lions to accomplish this feat because it, it, he brought all these people that were involved in it and all their families. Strangely enough, though, some people say that Daniel didn't get eaten because the lions weren't hungry. Well, I tell you what, they need to read the rest of the story, don't they? They were pretty hungry, weren't they? So, we see that um, in verses 25 through 27, we're told, Then Darius the king wrote to all the peoples, nations, populations of all languages who were living in all the land, May your peace be great. I issue a decree that in all the realm of my kingdom people are to tremble and fear before God of, Dan of Daniel. Wow. You better listen to Daniel and the godly man because their God is one who counts he's a real God for he is a living God and enduring forever and his kingdom is one which will not be destroyed and his dominion will be forever what a testimony goodness he rescues saves and performs signs and miracles in heaven and on earth. He who has also rescued Daniel from the power of the lions. 
So this Daniel enjoyed success in the reign of Darius and the reign of Cyrus Persia. So as we see this, we see that Daniel was blessed because of the God he served. He was faithful. But he was faithful no matter whether the lions would have torn him pieces or not. Just like those that were cast into the fire. You know, we, he, they said, hey, God can deliver us, but if he chooses not to, so be it. We're going to be with him. So uh, in chapter 1, we saw Daniel as a virtuous, godly young man. Chapter 6, it occurred about 70 years later we still see the uncompromising character of Daniel. And some of the elements of his character, I just want to mention. You know, he lived a consistent life from start to finish. You say, well, I've blown it. <coughs> you know, uh, I messed up in my Christian life. Well, you can be consistent from that point on. It didn't mean that he was perfect. It just meant he was one of those that were consistent in his godly living, that he stayed close to the Lord all through his life. Now, some do not. But when we recognize this and we repent of our sin, we turn to God in restoration, if we're a child of God, restoring us to a right relationship with him, then we need to say with determination and faith in him, I, by your grace, I'm going to try, Lord, by your grace, I will live that way the rest of my days consistently. And then he was determined, in, in other words, he lives in the absolute center of God's will. His only desire was to, uh, to live out God's will, for it to be fulfilled in his life. Now, is that our desire? Is that our, our number one desire? And all the other things, all the other pieces of the puzzle fall in place after that. And then he had the right attitude. It was said of Daniel that he had an excellent spirit. Do we look at things the right way when they come our way? Or do we get upset and angry because they haven't gone our way? I know I have at times. And then we see that he was what we talked about Wednesday night, a thermostat and not a thermometer. He set the control of the situation by his faith in the Lord. And he didn't let the ups and downs control him as a, a thermometer does. And he was envied and hated. And we need to realize that, you know, we will be envied and hated because as God works in our life and God does things and fulfills things for us and opens up doors and closes other doors, some people will become jealous. Some people will be envious and they will also hate us for our stand as we live and try to live a virtuous life. He was, you know, his virtue and integrity was evidenced by all. They couldn't deny that. He was a faithful citizen both in heaven and on earth. In other words, he obeyed the laws of the earth, uh, you know, and then he, uh, he obeyed heaven's laws first. They came ab ab above and uh, before the laws of the earth. 
if they contradicted the laws of heaven, as in the case where he was thrown into the lion's den. And he, he was willing to face any consequence within the framework of God's will. And there leave the outcome to God. And he served faithfully no matter what the cost personally was. And he strengthened the faith of others, even the king, uh, by living that kind of life. And he was a vehicle for, uh, for God's glory through, through all of this. This is one of the key things that we need to recognize, that, that we're to be the vehicle for God's glory. That's why we're here, to demonstrate the glory of God to others. It's not our glory, if we have any, that brings people to the Lord. It's God's glory. And he is exalted by those around him. He's avenged by God. He didn't have to avenge himself. God avenged him. And I tell you what, now that's hard sometimes because I want to avenge for myself a lot of times. And I think all of us do. You know, we face that that temptation uh, to get even and to get back. But do you find yourself, let me ask you this, complaining about the way things are and how they should, should have been? Whether it be the cost of living, the way things uh, are run at work, <coughs> or, I hate to mention this one, because I fall in this category, the political scene. Do you dwell on the obstacle rather than the solution? And would you like to cultivate, if you do these things, an excellent spirit like Daniel had? Well, if you do, if you're a Christian, you've got to remember that it's God who is at work in you for his good pleasure. And keep that in mind. It's not for your will and for your enjoyment necessarily. You will enjoy a lot of it, but it's for his good pleasure, for his glory. Have you made hasty decisions like Darius and regretted it? Actions that were not well thought out. Isn't it easy to do that? I mean, just react. And do something and regret it later. If you've been faced with a similar decree as, as Daniel was, would you have altered your praying pattern for 30 days? Would you have made up some kind of excuse? Well, you know, I can pray silently. I don't have to open my windows, uh, you know, this type of thing. I don't want to rock the boat. Well, the question to ask is, what would Christ have done in those situations? And you say, God, I can't be like you on my own. I know that I have you, and I know that I have the Holy Spirit living in me. And I know I have your word. Just help me. Help me to remember this, to recall it when I am faced with these trials and before then help me to understand it and grow in it and grow in your word so that I'll be more prepared when I face these situations a lot of times we wait till the situation comes 
And then we lose it or we cry out to God in desperation, whatever, when beforehand we need to, as Daniel was consistent in his life, we need to be consistent with the Lord in that relationship. Being ready when that time does come, because that time will come. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, I just want to thank you for a life like this, a life where a man that you've called out, that believed in you, that trust, had trusted in you, was not exempt from trials and, and, and pain and, and hurt, but was able to face these knowing that you're there with him and that you'd always be with him no matter what the outcome would be. And no matter what the outcome might be, that you would always be victorious. And that means that we would be victorious as we submit to you and your will. So Lord, help us to do that. It's not always easy. It's not always enjoyable because we live in this old body and we battle the flesh and we want things a certain way. But, Lord, you can help us. And help us to be prepared for those moments by walking with you consistently, trusting in you day by day, realizing that you're the one that's sovereign. Not the kings, not the presidents, not the government. You are sovereign and in control. And may we rejoice in that and place our hope in that. Because as we place our hope in that thought, we realize and believe in you in a stronger matter, a way, in a stronger form and fashion. Thank you, God, for your love and your grace. Thank you for always being there, and thank you for being in control and never forsaking us. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's stand. God's dealing with your heart and your soul. Won't you come? to be with each and every one of you this evening and for those again that are watching and I just want to thank you for your attentiveness for your prayers and now as we leave for your rejoicing in the Lord let's go brother our Lord God thou hast made the heavens and the earth by thy great power Lord God, thou hast made the heavens and the earth 
absolutely nothing, nothing is 